save big money on everything for your spring projects at Menards. We have all of your garden and landscaping essentials. Master Garden Premium Garden Soil contains a slow-release fertilizer that feeds gardens for up to nine months. It produces better results and is ready to use for all your gardening needs. Save big on Menards' great selection of garden and landscaping products. Compare brands in-store or online at Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. Man, yeah, it would be a good way to... I'd like to start uh, uh, t- saying my sex... Uh, calling it grunt work. Grunt work? Oh, yeah. yeah Natalie, I hope, you, hope you're not tired because I just had a whole bunch of stew. I think we, and it's time for the grunt work to stop. No, it's to grunt. save your relationship. That can't be the intro. Grunt. No, no, no. No one wants to think about you in a sexual way. Uh, no. Grunt You got to come up with something else. Otherwise, we can't start the show. Yeah. <laughs> Scalia. All right. Welcome to the last podcast on the left, everyone. I'm Ben Kissel. As always, I'm staring at beautiful Marcus Parks. How you doing, Marcus? I'm doing great. How are you, Ben? I'm good. All right, this what what do you want to be today? Yeah, okay, if you really want to put it to a woman, uh. you got to get your butt swinging back and forth like a dead horse hanging from a rope. Is this Scalia? Oh, Is that your Anton oh, Scalia impression? Oh, 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 I'm Scalia's sex coach. Oh, I <laughs> see. When he had sex with all the boys, and he came around me like, all right, no, 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 your attitude is wrong. You need to start with a down like this, and then uh-huh. you swing your balls so hard it slaps the balls of the boy that you're having sex with. All right, well, we can make fun of Scalia. He was very anti-gay rights, so yes. that is fine. <laughs> All right, let's go on. So we're on to our, our fourth parter. Thank yeah. God, we're almost done for Marcus's mind. Four, fourth parter on Dean Coral wrapping it up. I... Boy, boy rape and murder is not really great on anybody's mind. It's no. really not. I've been... Unless you're Dean Coral, and you got a little <laughs> secret smile going all the time. I even think for him it kind of rotted his mind away. No. Mm. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I have been knee-deep in Dean Coral for about two months now between both the research uh, and actually recording these episodes. So mm. I am very happy to be done with this. Although I got to say, this has been an absolutely fascinating story and I have actually loved researching it. Yes. And I've learned quite a bit about once we decided to really take the research towards like learning about the nature of sexual status, it it really puts a lot of context towards uh, serial killers in this vein. Mm -hmm. When you're not just like a Richard Ramirez type where you're like a Lord of Mayhem, it's very interesting to see the, how the motives play out and how it's a mixture of both biological and psychological thing. It's, it's, it's fun. In our way of being fun. Well, it's an interesting thing. I blame Texas. Let's go ahead and say it is an academic interest. Yes, and I would say and Dean Coral never got tired of thinking about murdering boys. I always imagine if Dean Coral just had like a room of lithe blonde children, he would be like Brian Wilson making pet sounds. Oh, yes. (laughs) Just going and seeing what sounds they can make, like a -a whack-a-mole. You know what I mean? Where he would go and be like, ow, ooh, ow, ooh, ow, ow, ooh. He'd be one of those pro athletes that never retires. And And he's like, go to the twilight, my friend. And he keeps recording it for Wayne and Brooks, and they're just like, 
It's great, Dean. It's really great. We're right. <laughs> on that next level, Dean. Also, I think the descriptor of being knee deep in Dean Coral doesn't. Uh, I don't. <laughs> I just don't love it, but that is fun. So, by the summer of 1973, the trio of David Brooks, Wayne Henley, and Dean Coral was starting to drift apart just a little bit. David Brooks had suddenly gotten married to his girlfriend, who he had also just knocked up uh, in June, and. That happy couple moved out of the Heights as soon as they possibly could. I wonder why, because he was <laughs> mm-hmm. probably connected to upwards of 29 murders. <laughs> Honey, we just got to go. We just got to go. We just go. We're going on vacation like real fast. You got to go, go. Listen, it's like a lot of people are going to say I was a gay and a murderer. But what I What's will that? say to you that <laughs> I'm now sorry, I'm your husband and I'm, your, I'm the father of your child. Let's go. We're going. Guess what? To, to Epcot. <laughs> oh, okay. Child murder. <laughs> so David Brooks, he gets out with his girlfriend. Wayne, he claimed that he stuck around because he was afraid that Dean Coral was going to go after his little brothers if he lit out of there. Mm-hmm. But we do know that Wayne actually had tried to enlist in the Navy, but was denied entry because he was a high school dropout. But we also know that Wayne Henley, no matter what he says after the fact about his involvement in these crimes... I think that the crimes and his relationship with Dean and and what how that situation <clears throat> situated him with the, all the other boys in the neighborhood, he liked the status that he had, yeah. mm-hmm. and I think that it's very difficult to leave that. And I think that Dean definitely had a hold on him in terms of being a father figure, but I don't think that uh, I, I think he liked being a killer. Can you imagine if the, he didn't enlist in the Navy, he would be on a submarine somewhere, and you would just have to be like his bunkmate, and he would constantly <laughs> be laughing about semen for, with the double entendre and things? Oh man, yeah, this is funny. Oh, oh someone's got some some. To- Strudelites and all over this table. This reminds me of the one time my buddy Dean was raping and murdering this boy, and I had brought him there because we were co workers and friends yeah. over at the Long John Silver's. And I just was like, now that is funny. It's like someone dropped a cupcake. Who's opening the door of the submarine to get out? We're underwater. Well, come on, guys. I'm a seaman, just like you. So David's leaving. Wayne half-heartedly maybe trying to leave, but Dean himself was actually planning on leaving Houston at the end of the summer of 73. We know this little bit of information from a here-to-now unmentioned character in this story, Dean's girlfriend of five years, Miss Betty Hawkins. Yes. Um, now, let's let's picture Betty Hawkins. We right. could not find a picture of Betty Hawkins because she d- immediately left the picture as soon as she as soon as the crimes went down. We're going to find mm-hmm. out how how this whole story ended. Well, actually, no, she didn't. She stuck around and defended Dean for quite a while. Sad. Yes, she <laughs> but, was too beautiful to, to to picture. I imagine she had the face and the body reminiscent of a pound puppy. <laughs> I do love a pound puppy. Long and dumpy? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of poured into her skin. (laughs) Well, Betty, she was the perfect beard for Dean, both to hide his homosexuality and his murderous ways. First, she was a desperate woman, single mother in her late 20s, which by today's standards, totally all right, totally cool. But in 1968, that narrowed her choices down quite a bit. Literally, it's like if if the dude wasn't actively using you for pipe hitting practice, <laughs> like he was great. He yeah. was a good guy. Yeah, right. yeah. And Betty, like most good beards, had an almost superhuman capacity for denial. In the five years that these two saw each other, only once did they attempt 
to have sex before Dean stopped in the middle saying he, quote unquote, didn't feel like it. You see, though, but this in the end, I I know it seems like he was just gay, but I think Dean Coral was so straight exactly. that he didn't want to disrespect <laughs> Betty That's with, right. the, with his his gross seed inside of her. Oh yeah, he's That's just gross. trying to wait till marriage. I just know that if we if we are just a little bit patient, <laughs> that the hugs will get stronger, and mm-hmm. my, my, I, I know it'll work. I know my spaghetti strand will be a, a fun little doggy's tail once. <laughs> Once I'm ready, once Jesus says I'm ready. That's right. In in the eyes of Christ, they had a perfect union. Yeah. Isn't that sweet? They really did. What do you think of these dog collars? You think they'll fit a 16-year-old boy? Hmm. I just think it's fun. I think it's fun to have. I just love shopping with you, Dean. Yeah. Betty, you are the sexiest lady I can imagine being with. I was talking to a friend of mine who I think is gay but has never come out, and he did say uh, when discussing a woman, he said, oh, that chick's probably got a hot pussy. And I thought that That's was disgusting. Always. Vagina. That, is, that, oh, is, that chick's got a hot vagina. I no one talks about vaginas. That lady over there has got a hot vagina. <laughs> oh, yeah. We had a friend like that in college that would just, he'd just come and like, all right, boys, who's, who's ready to go out tonight and get some pussy? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, no. yeah. Alex, oh. you just, I know your father's mean. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> Right. <laughs> no, he's very judgmental, but you gotta. I mean, this is our third Jump margarita. In. This is our third margarita night in a month. Absolutely, like, yeah. come yeah. on, man. Your hand is near my pocket. <laughs> All right, I'm for friends. I think it's great. Um, it's anyway. It's very difficult for Dean Coral at this time period because not only is he gay, but he's also a serial rapist. Right. And it's just that that is what makes it. And for a lot of people at that time period, I would say to them, "Hey, it gets better." Mm-hmm. But for Dean Coral, I would say, "Hey." Come with me. I'm bringing you to the police. Right. It should get worse for you, <laughs> yes. Dean. Yes. yes. And Dean, while he was dating Betty Hawkins, he also pulled the old let's go on a date, but now I'm going to show up with a van full of kids trick. Yes. He did a lot of that where he yeah. would bring the kids around to dates and stuff like that. And he was always surrounded by 15-year-old boys. And he just said they were his club members. <laughs> yeah. I read that the old uh, show up in a van with a bunch of kids. Is it really that old? I never heard of it before. Is this a trick that is common? I mean, it was old to Dean. I see. New That's how you make old to Dean, new to you. Oh, I, I get it. I'm the ignorant one. It's how you make a blind date feel comfortable. Oh, all right, all right. Yeah, because Betty, I mean, she was a mother of two, so she never really saw anything wrong with it. And she actually, she thought better of him for it. She's mm. like, oh, he just loves kids so much that he has to take them with, uh, take them with him every single place that he goes. Right. And no he has matter to te- what. And he has to test their semen to make sure it's not poison. <laughs> right, 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 right. But, and you know, when Dean's, you know, darker side was discovered, even after all the evidence came out, even after all the bodies of the bullies were found, Betty Hawkins still would not believe it. She said that she dropped by the house on numerous occasions unannounced. She never saw anything weird. She said when her kids came over to Dean's house, they had a full run. They never saw anything weird. But the one weird thing that she did notice was Dean's behavior in the weeks leading up to his death. See, Dean had never really been a heavy drinker, but in around July of 1973, he took a liking, almost a need for whiskey. Betty right. said that he was, quote, a man with something on his mind. Which is very interesting because up until this point, he had already switched a- uh, addresses like five or six times. So mm. she knows that he's always this weird kind of rangy guy. Mm-hmm. But he's moved around a bunch, and now it's like he's trying to make a big move to Boulder uh, in order to be with his mother, right? Because mm-hmm. his mother moved there five years earlier. It just seems to be like 
like a, a Russian cavalcade of red flags. Yes, so of just many. like you go, it's like going into the Kremlin. There's so many red flags <laughs> yes. of him reeking a whiskey, talking about I'm going to Boulder because right. Boulder doesn't have the shadows I have to step over in this fucking cruel charade of a life. And then yeah. she's like, I just Dean just seems occupied. Yeah. It just seems like things at the electric company is just not really going like how he wants. He's he won't even let me bring a flute in the house. I know not to bring a trombone into the house, but 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 Gregory is just dying to play the flute. And it's sad that we have to end romanticism for so many of our listeners. Uh, if you do have a boyfriend who is constantly contemplating, and you think, oh, he must be thinking about world peace, better ways, uh, you know, to to conserve the uh, environment. Uh, just never ask him what he's thinking. You know about. why? Because he is guilty yeah. of multiple murders. It's possible. <laughs> Contemplation usually reflects a person very. Going very, very dark in the mind, uh, then thinking about their worst uh, they're, attributes. They're full of guilt. Yes, that's <laughs> no, what it is. no one is ever quiet for good reason. Never. No. <laughs> Never. Not once. Right. <laughs> Maybe I say this because I'm the loudest human being who's ever existed. Get it out. Yeah. I, I have my pensive times. All right. We don't go. Oh, come on. <laughs> So like Henry said, uh, Dean was planning to move out to Boulder. His mom had moved out there five years earlier. He hadn't seen her in five years, but he told Betty, he's like, listen, I'm going out to Boulder. It's not the right time for you to come out right right now. You need to wait a Mm -hmm. little bit until I get settled. But the only thing that I ask, no matter what you do, do not tell David Brooks where I went. Hmm. And this is very interesting because he didn't say, don't tell Wayne Henley where I went. Don't tell the kids where I went. It was just specifically, don't tell David Brooks where I went. But right. this, it could be that Betty Hawkins is making it up because the only two people in the world that had any misgivings about Dean's guilt was Betty Hawkins and... Dean Coral's mother. I think it sounds like right then he was immediately trying to dump all of the crimes on David Brooks. Right. And he's trying to leave town as normal, and he got really close. Like, this is how these people do it. This is why we look like the stories about Henry Lee Lucas being this rangy killer, maybe killing hundreds of victims at a time. It seems kind of insane, but you realize, well, a guy could go. He racked up 29 Mm -hmm. murders in three years, and then he could just leave town, especially this time period. He'd just show up at another place and be like, hi, my name is Smeen Norrell, and I, and I am the famous candy maker from all downwards of Texas. Yeah. Like, what? Well, did you say a sentence that makes any sense? Smeen? Right. It's Skleen. Skleen Cor Norrell. And I just make the sweetest pralines you ever put in your tiny little boy lips. Yum, yum, yum. Kind of made himself weird, though, immediately. Yes. Still. Yeah. Yeah. You can't start over anymore. Yeah. It's constantly, you're constantly followed by your past yeah. nowadays. You absolutely can. There are pluses and minuses to Facebook. that. Definitely. <laughs> Facebook, yeah. Instagram. Yeah. The reason why Dean's mother said, like, oh, there's nothing going on with my son. I don't believe any of this because she said, like, you know what? Yeah, I haven't seen him in five years, but the only time that he was ever upset when I talked to him on the phone was that time that he got a little water pocket in his testicles, known as a hydrocell. Ah, isn't that something? You don't want that. You don't want, they have to surgically no. remove it. Isn't that kind of fun? Well, I mean, hopefully you get he, he could be a superhero <laughs> if there's a, a house burning down and the, and the fire uh, department shows up, plug it right in there, and you get yourself a, a hydro nut. But can a doctor literally just be like, he's like, well, hydro nut's really only created by someone 
seems to be extensive either anal or vaginal intercourse (laughs) where the uh, human that you're making love to is struggling. (laughs) And the torsion of the butt (laughs) seems to create pockets in your nuts. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I always try. That's what I always say to all the ladies back in the day. My detortion in your butt. Yep. <laughs> Makes a pocket of my nuts. Well, Mr. Romance. Torsion is usually something that happens with your vos deferens. Very interesting. Testicular torsion. This is great. Yeah. This is nice. <laughs> and hydrocells are not as uncommon as you might think. They do require surgery to remove, but they are quite inconvenient. So, Betty. <laughs> yes, they are inconvenient. <laughs> but Betty Hawkins. She wasn't the only one to notice that Dean was a little upset in the weeks leading up to his death. A co-worker reportedly asked Dean why he was leaving the city, and Dean just burst out with, I can't talk about it! I'll handle it! She's like, all right, okay, okay. You mean like uh, hiring the movers? (laughs) And like a Sherpa, another red flag is planted on the mountain of coral. Now, it could be that Dean knew that things were about to go sour with his two accomplices because Wayne Henley later said that he and David Brooks had actually had enough of the entire situation and were actually planning on killing Dean, but every time they were about to go through with it, they huffed a bunch of paint to psych themselves up and they just passed out. Right. Yeah. And this could actually be true. In fact, it is possible that Dean was planning on killing Wayne Henley, not because he was done with him, possibly because Dean might have twigged on to the fact that they were planning on killing them, mm-hmm. and he might have felt betrayed. He sensed a coup. But literally, uh, uh, Dean was more disappointed than angry. That was, it, and that's the mm. problem. It's like when your mom gets disappointed with you instead of being angry. But instead of your mom disappointing you, and she gives you the silent treatment, Dean Coral will tie you to a board and strangle you to death, and then rape your dead body. So oh, interesting. <laughs> but this is where uh, the interesting dynamic comes between pedophiles and their victims that I think that Dean Coral sort of abused. It, I think w- with pedophiles... Sort of. Definitely. Yeah, everything it's all is abuse. definitely abused. It's all abuse. Yeah, okay. But um, I think with like John Wayne Gacy, we're going to find... There was an unnamed person that served as a witness against John Wayne Gacy during his trial that is his name was never put on the record. I sent you an article about it, Marcus. Mm-hmm. I forget who read it. We should post it onto the Facebook page. We definitely will. Um, but the idea is, is that John Wayne Gacy had a... Uh, he had possibly had an accomplice. And what it seems to be to me is that pedophiles and their victims' relationship oftentimes, especially if it's uh, homosexual pedophilia, it's father to son. These people don't have father figures. That's the reason why they uh, they became pedophiles in the first place is because a lot of times they were molested as children. They construed that as love. Now they believe that the loving relationship they have with their victims, they believe it's a loving relationship. Yes. They believe that what they're doing is, is caring for them. Yeah, if you go on these uh, Mm -hmm. message boards, they the the twisted logic that pedophiles use to justify their crimes is mind boggling. Well, that's why Nambla. I mean, the L stands for love. Yeah, exactly. This is really what they believe. It's disgusting. It's completely fake. No, I know. I have a long history of taking care of children who were molested. Yeah, uh, it's very confusing for them. Yeah, you must have been so scary at first. But why? <laughs> no, I was I'm just being tall, you know? Just being tall is no, got to be I was scary. 12 when yeah. we just started doing you foster care. You were seven care. feet tall when you were 12. You well, were I was six foot seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, Dean Coral is a sexual sadist and is still grooming 
Wayne and David Brooks in the way that a pedophile would groom a normal victim, right? They believed that their victims were below them, that they were tools to be used. They were toys. The kids were toys. But Dean looked at Wayne and David Brooks as you will be my equals. I raise you like a father. You were like me. And so it's like what I am doing is instilling my values into you, and I hold you above these other kids. Now that the process has gone through, especially when at the beginning they started off as victims, they started off like they were supposed to be killed but then he saw something in them like a fucking baseball scout and was just like yes. you've got the x factor he was being fucking simon cowell and he was like <laughs> you go to hollywood and they go they join the team they join the expos i'll call his team the expos sure, why not and when they started to pull away which you can see immediately like I, I imagine like basically once you're kind of stuck in this scenario when you're somebody like david brooks who is basically in a you're in a monetary situation with Dean Coral. Like, you are getting cash. Yeah. Wayne Henley's getting cash. He's your boss, but your boss views you as a father. I don't know if anybody's ever had that at a job where it's like the. Or if your you, boss views you as a son. Yes, yeah. your boss views you as a son. If you ever, if, I don't know if anybody's ever had that at a job where it's like I had a boss that viewed me like a son once and got really upset with me when I tried to quit. You were working he, in some sort of human sex trafficking uh, restaurant or something? Yeah, but I knew he was killing him. Oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> from he, the beginning? From the, no, no, no. I mean, sex. Second week. So where is this Panera located exactly? Oh, it's everywhere. <laughs> oh, yeah, Panera. You didn't know Panera was the back door for a gigantic international child slavery ring? I did not, but I do believe it. Oh, and the egg sandwiches are fantastic. <laughs> oh, I don't even want to talk about that. The, um, but Dean Coral was so disappointed by watching them pull away that I'm certain that they were going to be dead. Yeah. David Brooks okay. and Wayne Henley were going to be dead very soon, and if not, they were going to kill him. Like, that was that was sort of, it was already happening, and it just must have ate at him yeah. so hard to watch his protégés run away oh, from him. poor sad Dean. Isn't that <laughs> rough for him? My sister is the best gift giver I've ever met of any person. It's Jackie Zabrowski. She shops all year thinking about her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it, but guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right, give the moms in your life an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the Aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do. And the memories keep cycling and I get emotional. And we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy. And that is not sad. That is celebratory. So you should try it. It's honestly a really good product. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code LEFT at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated 
text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse picks over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Yeah, we do. Do you love saving money? Oh my God, you bet. Then Philo may be your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. That's amazing. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles. It's just a better way to watch TV. Get with it, people. Philo has an unlimited DVR for one year. Save all your favorite shows so you can watch on your own schedule. Philo allows for multiple profiles and multiple streams, meaning that your children or significant other can't ruin your queue. Never miss a minute of shows like, oh, RuPaul's Drag Race. You're going to watch it. You're going to love it. You're going to get involved with it. And it's an extravaganza. You're going to love it. With Philo, you can start watching in seconds for less money and less hassle. Try it yourself with your seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash left. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash L-E-F-T to get 50% off your first month. Well, Dean's last house. And remember we said he moved five or six times a year for five years. His last house actually belonged to his father. It was on 2020 Lamar Street in Pasadena, Texas, which is actually on the other side of Houston from the Heights. But this house was by far the most blood-soaked out of all of Dean's different apartments. And during this three-year rampage, this house, strangely enough, because of the petroleum plants that were surrounding it, and this is a smell that we have talked about being surrounding serial killers again and again. It smelled like sour milk. Oh, you got to try my new Yankee candle. The yeah? best part about just lighting it's I call it son of Samtacular smells. Oh, and that? you do it and you just light the candle and oh, it's got that milk smell I love. I can't go to sleep unless I smell it. Oh, God. I'm here. I'm looking for more of a summer rain or a winter Well, you better uh, get out of dew. here before I shoot you in the face because I can't really provide anything to that wave for you and it disappoints me. I disappoint myself. Oh, they should have thought of that. I should have made a candle that was nice, but no. Yeah. Like a popcorn butter? Do you have they anything said like that? make the smells you know, and this is yeah. the smell I know. Oh, I keep selling it in Texas, though. Business is good. It's a gift for my mom. I guess her house does smell like rotten milk anyway, so. Yeah, for your mother? I'll take four. What's it like uh, having a mother? Uh, I, I, I will it's go, nice. Yeah, yeah, she loves me a lot. I'll see you around. <laughs> no, although a few people did say that Dean was acting just a mite bit stressed in the days before his death, Wayne Henley was the only one who saw what Dean Coral was really like when he was stressed. 
This is what Wayne said about Dean Coral in that last month. Dean would make these short, jerky movements. He'd start smoking a cigarette, which he usually never did. And he'd say he needed a new boy. It was like a bloodlust. As far as that bloodlust went, over the course of just one month, between June 1st and August 4th, Wayne and Dean would kill eight boys, Mm. five of them. From the Heights. Being like a regular uh, Jennifer Lawrence and a David O. Russell. What? Many films made together. (laughs) Sort of like that, yes. Why don't you go Johnny Depp and Tim Burton? How's about that? I could have. Or none of them. The analogy falls apart. (laughs) But just like any professional who says he's going to pull one last job and then get out of the business... Dean's so now you're equating him to uh, 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 Al Pacino from Godfather 3. <laughs> yeah. Or George Clooney from uh, Ocean's Eleven. Interesting. Yeah. Dean's final boy would lead to his death on August 8th, 1973, and it would all hinge on a girl named Rhonda Williams. On a woman. Mm. <laughs> a woman. <laughs> Thank God. See, another reason why Wayne Henley was pulling away from Dean was because he was falling for young Rhonda, who just happened to be the fiancé that Frank Aguirre, the first Mm. boy that Wayne Henley witnessed Dean murder, left behind when he was killed. And the way he did it, which is that in a very nefarious way, it's almost like I don't know if anybody in middle school ever joked about with their friends being like, all right, now you pretend to attack her, and then I come out and I, I fend off the attacker, then she'll love me forever. Is that when <laughs> you never no, no, I think that's the opening scene from Dirty Work or something like <laughs> that. It's something a bizarre like that. feature film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it is from that's Dirty a, Work, that, actually. Uh, that Norm Henry, McDonald's character. That's what you call a con. Yes. That is yeah. a con. That's what it is. And it does not, it's not a good way to build a solid foundation it is not. to a relationship. <laughs> right. But this is exactly what he did with with Rhonda by telling her, um, like, Frank's not coming back, yeah. and I can't believe he treated you like that. I'll treat you right. I'll be here because it's like, I, it's not like I killed him or anything, but I'm, I'm just saying that I'll be here. <laughs> Let me clarify. It was Kingpin, as a matter of fact. That's right. Oh, yeah, so uh, he didn't have to pay rent. That's right. Yeah, oh. yeah and then he had to eat her out. Oh, goodness. That's <laughs> <laughs> See, the only testimony that I could find about Rhonda and Wayne's relationship comes from a man named Ron Sourdelia, who owned the Third Eye Spirit Shop, where Rhonda actually worked. Little Nice little local occult bookstore in Houston, Texas. Cool shit. Yeah. Ron Sourdelia said the two used to hang out at his shop together quite a bit. They'd make out on the couch that he had in the back, and he said that they seemed to like each other quite a bit. About Wayne Henley specifically, Ron said, Henley was no stoop, man. He liked to rap with me about metaphysics. Shortly before the story broke, we got into a rap on aura reading, and that was straight shit. Let me ask you this. Would you think less of him if you knew his first name was actually Elmer? What? Yes. <laughs> what? He's an Elmer. How long I was I talking to it? An Elmer? Yeah. Yep. Oh, man, that horse is my dude. It's all a lie. <laughs> now, Rhonda, ironically, actually was planning on running away the night of August 8th, 1973. But Henry told her, look... Me and this other kid, Tim Curley, we're actually heading over to Dean's right now. Why don't you just come hang out with us instead? So at 3 a.m., Wayne Henley, 
Tim Curley and Rhonda Williams showed up at Dean's door. And when the three walked in, Dean exploded with rage. He took Wayne to the next room and he told him, You weren't supposed to bring any goddamn girl. You ruined everything. Oh, my God. <laughs> and it's true. Yeah. yeah, he did not like ladies. No, no, he did not, no, he did not like ladies. You he could, did not. I mean, it was, uh, yeah. yeah, Dean's house was, you might call, a bit of a boys club. Hmm. Yeah. Seems to me more, yeah, dead boys club. Right. <laughs> Seems Ooh. like he actually hated boys more than ladies, but then he—it's very confusing. It's Kissel, very you confusing. don't understand. He loved them so much that he had to turn them into ghosts that would populate his dreams. I see. Well, there's actually a scientific basis behind this. See, a lot of pedophiles. Uh, there are theories that pedophiles aren't made; they're born. Because a lot of pedophiles, they have an abundance of white matter in their brain. So the circuits in our brain that go from evolutionarily go from child protect pedophiles their brain goes to child fuck very scientific okay good yeah, yeah. you should read that book it's perv by uh i can't remember who wrote it but yeah the na- the book is called perv it's, it's really good i read the first like 30 pages of it it's really good it's one of the best books on uh paraphilia paraphilia and just one of the best books on sex that i've ever read it's it's a fascinating book and if you pop a bone to it, call the police. Call no, the police on yourself. there's plenty of stuff to pop a bone to it in, and you're totally fine. That's what he says. Don't worry about your bone, man, unless it is sexual sadism Be or pedophilia. Be concerned about the bone. But yeah. every other bone's totally fine. Don't worry about when your you bone. When you pop a bone in a, in a way that doesn't feel right, that's your body saying, Hey, send me to the police. <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, cut off your wiener. It's going to get us in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Let so, your dick guide you. So Dean, after he balled out uh, Henry or Henley in the other room, he composed himself and pulled out the paper bags, a couple of cans of spray paint, passed them out to his guests, said, have at it, kids. He waited for them all to pass out, of course, the natural conclusion to any huffing party. And a couple hours later, Wayne, who had a much higher huff tolerance than the other two. Yeah, that made him pretty cool. Yeah, Yeah, cool guy, yeah. (laughs) He came to before they did, and he found that his ankles were bound, and Dean was slapping a pair of handcuffs around his wrists. And as he looked around the room, he saw that the floor had been covered in thick plastic sheeting, and his friend Tim Curley was already stripped naked and strapped to the torture board, while Rhonda lay fully clothed, bound by nylon rope. I wonder why she didn't have her clothes taken off. Uh, Isn't that something? Uh, Maybe you put more clothes on her. Yeah. <laughs> it just sounds like deja, deja vu all over again. That's what mm. I would have said when I woke up full of a huff face. Huff haste. Just like, oh, no, man, I know this fucking trip, dude. Classic huffers. So Dean walked over to the radio and turned it up full blast. He walked over to Wayne and shoved a twenty-two pistol into his stomach and screamed, I'm going to teach you a lesson. Bad, bad Leroy Brown, <laughs> the baddest man in the whole damn world. I hate this song. <laughs> or possibly Grand Funk Railroad, who hmm. topped the charts in 1973 with We're an American Band. Ooh, nice. I like that song a lot, honestly. And if you think about it, we are kind of an American band. You know? Yeah, it's the three of them. And yeah. he's like, we used to be one, but now we're just one. Now it's just Dean Coral. And you know what other song that hit the charts in 1972? What is the loneliest number? <laughs> that was 1971. Oh. Oh. I was close, though. Very close. You were real close. But 
Dean shoved the 22 pistol into Henley's stomach, but before Dean could pull the trigger, Wayne started fast-talking real quick. He started begging for his life. He reminded Dean of all the good times they'd had throughout the years, and he mm-hmm. told him, listen, I'm going to make it all right. I'm going to kill Rhonda. You don't have to worry about it. That We can put all, put all this behind us. I, I'm just going to kill her, okay? And Dean just looked at him, looked at him and just went... <sighs> <laughs> I knew I could trust you all along. We're friends again. Yep. Sorry about the handcuffs. Oh, I almost went a little too far with that one, huh? You're like, Gene, you almost did, yes. You were going to rape me. Well, we can loll about it now. <laughs> so, Dean, he relents. He puts the gun down on the table right next to Wayne. He unties his ankles. He removes the handcuffs. He walks back to Tim Curley. Removes all of his own clothes and tells Wayne, points at Rhonda and says, get to work. But instead of following another one of Dean's orders, Wayne picked up the gun, pointed it at Dean. And according to Rhonda Williams, who was just coming to, said, I can't go on any longer. I can't have you kill all my friends. And Dean now completely naked and most likely Fully erect. That's Marcus's detail that he put in. <laughs> Most likely, though, he probably was. He absolutely was. He rushed towards Wayne, shouting, Kill me! Well, why don't you kill me then? <laughs> and Wayne, with Dean only a foot away, pulled the trigger and shot Coral three times in the chest and twice in the back. As Rhonda Williams put it, Wayne killed the devil. Nice. And as the three sat on the front porch waiting for the cops to arrive, Wayne turned to his friend, Tim Curley, and said, You know, if you wasn't my friend, I could have got $1,500 for you. <laughs> well, I wish I could just you see You want them. some Zagnut? Yeah. <laughs> what do you talk about? The most yeah. casual thing in the world. Yeah. It's just like, you know, I could have gotten $1,500 for you, so a thank you would be nice. Right. Thank you! I guess thank you. <laughs> Very nice. So... Police arrived just a few minutes later because Tim, you know, because actually Wayne Henley had called up the cops and he said, hey, you need to get over here. I just killed a guy. uh, So send someone over quick. And when police walked inside the house, they found Dean Quarles naked body lying in a pool of his own blood. They described him as pale, puffy and flaccid. But, you know, if you go through life and that's how the final description of you is, not bad. <laughs> Pale, puffy, and flaccid. Yeah. We're all going to die that way. I want there to be skid marks before I hit my casket. Like not poo-poo skid. No, 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 no. That's why. Ooh, yeah, skid marks is not a good no. term for that. No. I mean rock and roll. You want to die in a car accident. No, no, no. I'm just, I want to live life to its fullest. Yeah, because skid marks imply that you know you're about to get into an accident. And you're like, yeah. You want no skid marks, really. No. Because Dean moved around so much, the house was mostly empty. The only decoration was a poster in Dean's bedroom with a Jesus-like figure on it with just one word printed at the bottom, love. And Jesus was smiling and then the painting at a yeah. full fucking erect cock. Oh, that's right. <laughs> like yeah. a real Christian. Right, hanging on the cross there. <laughs> Get a fucking priest flagpole going. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, I know what you're saying, yes. No, besides, of course, the torture board, the dildos, the reams of plastic sheeting, uh, the tiny little glass tubes, the handcuffs, and the nylon rope, cops also found a box large enough to fit a human, but small enough 
where said human would have to be uncomfortably stuffed inside. This is also put in 1973 where the obesity ep- epidemic really hadn't reached its peak like Life, it has now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So when he moved, you know when you move, you were like, this is bedroom. This is kitchen, and you mark it with a sharpie. No, on he the had box. like Stanley written on it or Bruce. <laughs> right. Okay. See, the box had air holes drilled in the sides, and while there was no blood, police found several hairs that would later be matched to victims that they would soon discover on Wayne Henley's direction. Well, it, uh, legitimately, that's probably like his boo box. I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. And if anybody remembers the movie Hook, where I imagine he had guys in that, that was one of his torture techniques where he, they would go in that box. And he'd yeah. be like, yeah. boo, there's a ghost out here. <laughs> oh, you better be scared because I'm a ghost. Yes. He was just like, no, box. I'm scared because you're a man who's going to kill me and rape me. The no, boo- I'm a ghost. <laughs> boo box is real. We, we used it all the time uh, post 9-11 mm-hmm. and uh, Saddam would put bad soccer players in the boo box also in yeah. Iraq. Yeah, they put them in metal, uh, these metal sheds uh, with right. no ventilation out in the middle of the desert. Right, and then Peter Pan's not real, so nobody rescued them. Well, I'm going to put it this <laughs> yeah. way. Um, if your one job is to be good at soccer, and if you're not good at soccer, you get put in the boo box, get good at soccer. <laughs> get better. You better. Now, Wayne, when the cop showed up, he could have very easily said absolutely nothing about the near two dozen boys that he and Dean had killed together. Sure. Not to mention the other boys that Dean and David had killed before Wayne even arrived. He could have right. told them, yeah, I knew Dean. Everyone knew Dean. I hung out with him. But I had no idea he was into shit like this. Yeah, you killed him totally. in self-defense. You exactly. literally had it completely, you had it all bought and sold for you. I stopped the criminal. You could have been a hero. He literally could have gotten out of the heights yep. or like on a newspaper thing being like, hero needs a job and he could have went anywhere mm-hmm. and people have been like, he killed oh, the devil. Oh yeah, and before it really came out, that's how, like, the first day, that's how the papers were uh, touting him as. They were a actually, hero. They were actually mm. saying he was, they were comparing him to a knight that had slayed a dragon. Like, that is an actual <laughs> quote from one of the articles Good that God. was written the day of. But instead of being called smog, the dragon would have been called smug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, it's very possible that the Houston Police Department, not only possible, but very likely that Houston PD would have completely taken him at his at his Of work. course, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Like, oh, you shot and killed this guy? Well, you know, put one in the black. It is so much easier to not believe that 29 boys have just been, you know, murdered and uh, and sexually assaulted by this man. Or you say you, you know, but the maybe guilt caused him to do it. Maybe. But then all, I think just straight up being bad at being a criminal, yeah, yes. Wayne Henley just started fucking blabbing. That's right. what every bad criminal does. They start talking. That is the worst thing that you can do. Even if you're innocent, talking to the police is the absolute worst idea. Get a lawyer. Again, Immediately. If you have killed people, go to the police. Go to the police. Turn yourself if you turn in. yourself in today. Don't do it. Don't do it tomorrow. Don't just put do it, it off now. till next week. But can I please just ask, give us a five-star review on iTunes before you do. <laughs> right, if yeah, you're a fan you of the show. Review from prison. Yeah. <laughs> but, but Wayne Henley... Obviously, later on, we're going to see he's how many interviews he's done since he's been in jail. Yeah. He is a media whore. Yes, and I he think, is. I think that's a part of this is that he likes the sound of his own voice. It also makes him feel important to be uh, at the center of something so huge. And also, he's an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I believe that. So at first, he told the police the same thing, the same exact thing that Dean had told both him and David years before to ease him into murder. He told him, like, yeah, I, I brought boys to Dean pretty often, but he definitely wasn't killing them. He was not killing them. He was just 
Selling them into a sex slavery ring. No, that right. is a worse crime. That's what nobody understands is that in this whole context, yeah, how- selling someone into sex slavery is a worse crime than killing them. Technically, Dean was being nicer killing them by sending them off to be in the sex slave ring. Yeah, I mean, how atrocious is your crime when you're just like, I'll get out of it by saying a sex slavery ring. <laughs> that's what I was working on. Yes, sir. That's it. Yeah. But as the conversation went on, Wayne, he kind of relented a little bit and he said, yeah, actually, Dean did actually. He did kill a couple of boys, and I kind of sort of maybe helped him bury about, oh, 19 or so uh, out in a boat shed outside of town. And we know these are bad cops, so it's obvious he was just giving this information up fairly uh, free-willingly, right? Well, the guys were also like probably half-listening, stuck on a, sucking on a Lone Star, just being like, yep, <laughs> yep. You know, wheel is on in about 15 minutes, right, boys? Like, yeah, the wheel's on. <laughs> Been around for a long time. So Wayne loaded up into a car with a couple of detectives and directed them out to Southwest Boat Storage on Silver Bell Lane, where police discovered one of the most gruesome crime scenes in a American history made even more gruesome by the police themselves. Oh, it's horrifying. The boat shed, number 11, was 15 feet high by 12 feet wide by 24 feet deep. Big enough Mm. to at least store a small yacht. Or 29 boys. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And when the police broke the lock and opened up the door, they found everything that a man would need to make his own graveyard. Now, technically, this would be like your playland. I mean, no, it, all you need is dirt and shovels, and it's my playland. I don't need two 10-pound sacks of lime to aid decomposition. I don't need two plastic 20-gallon garbage cans to re- you to remove the dirt from the... Pr- Actually, that I wouldn't. This is what yeah. I'm saying. I, I think need, you would. It's everything but the lime. I, and, I, the, and, the, and the children. And, <laughs> and the children. No, he yeah, would just that goes be, without saying, Dan. Okay, no, let's just clarify. He yeah. would just be burying balloons with frowny faces drawn on them out I there. See. I do uh, imagine an episode of Storage Wars, which would be hilarious. All these people. Okay, I take one million dollars for number 11. Okay, one million dollars. You gotta believe it's this last time I got in this storage. You know, they had one of Scotty Pippen's catheters in there from oh, when he was really? in the hospital. Yeah, oh, wow. I sold that for $1,500 and some guy, he bought it and he uses it as a straw when he take it to the movie theater. Oh, how many bodies? <laughs> yeah, police, they also found a garbage bag full of clothing that Dean had presumably kept uh, as trophies, as a lot of serial killers do. And they also found the bicycle of a 13-year-old boy who had vanished just five days earlier. Now, it should have become obvious to police at this point that they were facing a gigantic crime scene. The evidence along with Wayne Henley's insistence that there were up to 19 bodies buried in the shed pointed towards a massive and delicate operation was about to go down. Now, usually... Before the process even begins, before you even put one tiny little shovel into the dirt, every piece of evidence on the surface is bagged, documented, stored away. And once the excavation has actually begun, they only used soft wooden or plastic tools so they don't damage the bodies at all. Like think, no, like an archaeologist. Think about right? how an archaeologist. Like think about all those weird Egyptian, uh, you know, alien Egyptian shows that you see and mm. how they meticulously the dig brushing. And it's brush. a boring job. It's a very boring yeah. job. But that's, that's yeah. They brush tiny little bits of things and then they're like, it's a clavicle bone from a oh, just a pelican. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, and great care has to be taken to document exactly where every piece of clothing and every personal artifact is discovered in relation to the bodies. Like, you have to say, like, torn sweatshirt, like, torn piece of cotton found 10 inches deep, 6 inches from the edge. Like, you yeah, have because to, in, meticulous. When you get into the nitty-gritty of scientific evaluation in a court, let's say, right. the lawyers and experts you have use these little details in order to create shadow of a doubt. That's the whole yeah. point, is that they use these details specifically in order to either make someone innocent or guilty. Right. And um, what do they do instead? You know, okay. So we might forgive a little indelicacy on the part of the Houston police. They're not very right? good in yeah. the begin with. Well, Texas yeah, cops, let's yeah. just say, and it's also, this is 1973. This is long before modern forensic uh, science is really being utilized. And also, this is a mass grave. No one, the only precedent for a mass grave like this, frankly, is concentration camps. But, of course, the Houston Police Department, as they did with almost everything else, apo- approached it from the dumbest laziest and most grossly incompetent way they possibly could have. Instead of documenting all of the evidence, such as the boy's bicycle and the garbage bags full of teenager clothing, they just tossed it outside. Mm. Instead of using wooden tools, they used metal shovels. It's like they watch an episode of Maverick, and they were like, we just gotta do this like Maverick would do it, and then just throw it out there and be like, oh, tiny bicycles are gay. Throw it in the dumpster. And it'd be like, nobody cares about any of that shit. They they were like, it was like they did it in the manliest way possible. Yeah, Mm -hmm. well, let's get it over with. Right. But worst of all, instead of using law enforcement professionals to exhume the bodies, even beat cops would have been better than this. They drafted prisoners, mostly winos, from the county jail drunk tank and forced them for two days to dig out the bodies of 17 teenage boys. They still do this to this day. Rikers uses inmates for all the mass, the paupers' graves for homeless people they find. They still use inmates to bury them and uh, I would assume exhume them if they had to. Can I say, though, what is more sobering than (laughs) digging up the decomposed bodies of 17 boys? I mean, it's kind of nice you get out of the jail cell. You get the sunshine? Right. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's actually what these guys were probably thinking because they didn't tell the prisoners what they were going to be doing until they showed up outside of this boat shed right they just handed him a shovel and said all right boys this show is sponsored by better help it says here i have to talk about something i need to get off my chest and i guess i can share it here i i eat mayonnaise for fun it's a hobby of mine and it's an addiction and it's a daily weight on my life how much i need whipped Egg whites and oil crammed into my veins as soon as I wake up. And a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. 
My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp! H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod. Hey! Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. That's one of my favorite things about it. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. Now, personally, I'm in the middle of re-landscaping my yard. I like to do it myself because I called up a landscaper to see how much it costs, and it was absolutely insane. Plus, I love dirt. I love getting my hands in the dirt, and I love planting things myself. And fast-growing trees has given me some wonderful plants that I can use. Like I got this uh, Texas sage, it's purple. I've dug up a whole bunch of horrible bushes and shrubs up in front of my window and in front of my house and put some purple Texas sage up there and it's going to thrive and it's going to look real good. Now I don't even have to go to a nursery to buy it. It came to my house. Now, this spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list. With Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors. It's a waste. Don't waste hours on apps. Besides appetizers, that's the kind of apps I like. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Did you know that empanada is already Spanish? I didn't. Thanks, Babbel. Did you know that burrito is already Spanish. Wow! I just gotta learn all the rest. And eventually, I'm gonna be eating downtown Mexico. Thanks, Babbel. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. Now, this year is a bit of a humduggle. Right. Now, a humduggle is, you know, as you like to know, that's a country boondog. All right. Now, what you have to remember here is there's going to be a whole lot of skerfliffle going on there, and you got to keep your head about you. All right. And you need to keep your toes up mm-hmm. and keep your heels down. All right. There's about 17 pelvises in there. And you need to fish them out with your teeth. Okay. And it is. That is kind of a boondoggle. Yeah. But to be fair to the Houston Police Department, all the prisoners who participated got just a little bit of time uh, chucked off their sentence. Oh, isn't that? Every time you uh, dig up 29 dead bodies, you get a week off your sentence. <laughs> Isn't that sweet? Every time? Every time. So these guys might be out. Sign me up. <laughs> yeah, in a couple of weeks. Now, within 15 minutes, the first two diggers hit a deposit of lime, and the stench of decomposition just filled the air. And this was, you got to remember, this is a unventilated metal oh. structure. This is August 
in Houston. The average temperature in Houston in August is 94 degrees, and the humidity 100%, suffocating humidity. The workers dug beneath the lime and found 13-year-old James Draymala naked, wrapped in plastic. And soon after Draymala's body was discovered, Wayne Henley, who was waiting outside, finally broke and asked the guards if he could use a telephone to call his mother. And we actually have that telephone call. This is it. Mama. Who is this? It's Wayne. Yes, this is Mama, baby. Mama? Uh, I killed Dean. Wayne? Ma'am? What are you doing? Yes, yes. Oh, God. Where are you? Um, it's all right. It's all right. It's all right. Where are you? I'm, I'm out of his warehouse. Where? Out of that warehouse, T.K. Can I come out there? Yes, yes. Is that where I'm parked? No, you can't come. I'm, I'm with the police, Mama. Now, really, who I feel for that is Wayne Henley's mother. She actually tried to be a good mother. Because, see, like, Dean Coral was kind of considered to be a family friend. Yeah. You know, he was actually seen as kind of a good influence on Wayne Henley. Because, because he was an upstanding this, dude who had a job in his own house, and he took care of himself, and he dressed neat, and he had a, a weird girlfriend that looked like a, like a sack of... <laughs> fucking Bees. old leaves. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, he was a clean he was a clean cut guy. He even used he'd come over and he'd have Thanksgiving dinner with him. Like that she felt like that she knew this guy. So while Dean was making the phone call, the police understandably started to question the owner of the storage facility, a woman named Mamie Manier, who <laughs> <laughs> another just star on the flag of Texas. Yep. <laughs> she also lived on the premises. She told police that Dean Coral had been renting the space for the last three years since November of 1970. And she said that Dean visited his shed two or three times a week, sometimes just to drop off or pick up materials, sometimes to work inside for hours on end. Hey, Mamie, I'm just going inside. You know me. Just, yep, got lot, lots of new tarps. I like the squeaking sound they make when I walk in there. What am I doing? I'll see you soon. All right. <laughs> she said that the only odd thing that she ever noticed was... There was a real unpleasant odor that came from the shed every time there was a heavy rain. Maybe I just want to know. I want to warn you. I'm going to be making a bit of Indian food in there, and I, I'm new to it, and I love the flavors and the smells of Mumbai. But you must know that it's foreign to our Texas noses. So, all right, I'll be seeing you. Don't you fucking even think about opening this door. All right, bye. Yeah, and the other weird thing is that for some reason, the shed just seemed to be surrounded by stray dogs at all times. Interesting. <laughs> like all just like rolling all over each other. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and she never really seemed to notice that, you know, Dean and his two teenaged companions were constantly carrying in body-sized boxes and constantly carrying out 20-gallon garbage cans filled with dirt. And she didn't really even think much about the fact that Dean had been pestering her for the past few months about renting out a second shed. Hi, think- Mamie. Hi. I yeah. know you're busy. Hey, mm-hmm. but I was looking into maybe getting a second shed because um, it's not so much that this shed is full. It's just like I'm used to it. 
And I like, I just want a new shed. I like that new shed feeling, that new shed smell. Right. This is classic, though, right? This is willful uh, uh, willful ignorance so she could have plausible denial, isn't everybody. it? Everybody. Yeah, everybody on this, yeah. Well, it's because in the end you just assume because it is a small town and because it is the South and we, we, you you give everybody their privacy. We kind of have the, the, the yeah. South has it. In New York, we live on top of each other like a yes. bunch of animals. We no, we're, we, we're a snitch on everybody's society here in New York. We, say something, see something, say something. But we're the op- it's almost like the opposite. We're so on top of each other, we ignore it almost instinctively now because you just you guys just don't hear it anymore, but you yeah. can hear everybody fart. In Texas, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's space between everybody, and so everybody's kind of used to being like, oh, that's his business, yeah. and there's a lot of fucking weirdos out in the middle yeah, of yeah. Texas. Oh, <laughs> Oh, dear Lord. Yeah, let me tell you, man. There's a- <laughs> So while police were questioning the owner of the facility, prisoners will st- were still hard at work digging up more bodies. And two more bodies were found soon after the first. One had a Venetian blind cord still knotted around his neck, his mouth opened so wide from gasping for air that his lips were curled up under both his upper and lower teeth. The soil was blackened and soaked in the fluids of the long-since putrefied bodies. One worker was so drenched in black body muck that a detective had to hold a cigarette to the prisoner's mouth so he could properly smoke it to try to get the corpse smell out of his nasal cavities. That's what they said mm. they were all doing. They were Even the, the officers that didn't smoke were chain-smoking in there to, in order to cover the smell, and that must have been fun. Oh, that, yeah. It's like, a, you ever been in the smoking lounge in the Cincinnati yeah, airport? Oh, yeah. It's like that. Oh, just yeah. sausage meat, because they're all gnawing on sausage in Ohio, sure. and then just cigarette smoke on top mm. of it. Well, what these guys were doing, they're like, yeah, they talk about the black muck, they talk about them constantly smoking uh, cigarettes. You know what they sent out for for dinner fried chicken yeah they're all eating fried oh, I chicken i actually don't have a problem with that dude they're mm. covered in black muck from they're covered in body fluid so is, is it felch or hmm? what was that stuff what's you know we talked about this a long time it was like felch or, or mung mung yeah, but, yeah. So you're saying, oh, maybe don't order out for finger foods. Yeah, that's the idea. <laughs> I see. Maybe yeah, something with a fork. Yeah, don't. Yeah, it's, yeah. Or smoothies. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I can see a good fried chicken. I don't know. I, it's tough to not be uh, hungry for fried chicken. I Texas love fried, fried chicken's also really good. So. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's some really of the best fried chicken in the world. Tough, tough day for that delivery guy though. <laughs> kind of a bizarre place <laughs> so to show up. So what you guys doing? Having some kind of barbecue? <laughs> oh God. Yeah, kind of a goopy tip. So the digging stopped around midnight and picked back up early the next morning. And by noon, four more bodies had been exhumed. And as they dug deeper, the bodies had long since sluiced out of their plastic casing and had started to mix together. This is what Detective Larry Orles later said about it. We had to reach in without hands and separate little bitty bits of bone and then pitch them into bags. We were pulling hairs out of the mud in chunks, working in mud made out of dirty and rotten blood. It was caked in our shoes and got into our clothes. And inside this Mm. mixture of bones, sludge, and plastic, police found two different sealed plastic bags containing severed genitals. And while everything around these bags of genitals had long since decomposed, the airtight seals on the plastic bags had preserved them almost perfectly. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. It's weird. Out in the middle of these bodies, someone tossed us a bag of hot dogs in here. <laughs> yeah, oh, you know what? Someone fry up the grill. I'm actually now looking at it. I'm hungry for a hot dog. Yeah. Oh, it's got a mushroom tip. <laughs> they could make a good Ziploc commercial, I guess. Fuck. Oh. Hang it upside down. That is good. It's know. just it's just a bunch of baby carrots inside a yeah. Ziploc bag, but buried into a sluice of rotten body. Nice. So by the end of the second day, seventeen bodies of the nineteen bodies Henley told police were buried there had been removed. Police said they actually wanted to go deeper, but it was too far down for the shovels to really work and they were almost knee deep in corpse liquid and the city of Houston had been quote unquote too slow to bring out the right machinery so they just sort of gave up and they're like well 17's good enough you know I think we got enough you know what I'm starting to think I'm just going to say we hit our country limit (laughs) I guess so what would get these guys motivated to move not slow Uh, just a little quicker what does it take it's fucking Texas I'm sorry about what I will say about Texas is that I got pulled over by a cop once and the walk that he did from the car to my car like it was in the middle of nowhere in Texas and he just went to and it was like his fucking belly was just swinging back and forth and it was like he was moving in slow motion and the cop just he was like I'd give you a ticket but you already got time served. It's fine. Like you're sitting there for a week and a half. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, Texas cops are the fucking worst. Worst. Oh god. Yeah, I don't know what's worse, worse them or Georgia cops. Not unless you're a Georgia cop. I love you. Yeah. yeah. As a matter of fact, if we're ever in Texas, I think they're just wonderful. They're great. Yeah. Love their attitude. Think about Texas Walker Ranger there. Texas Ranger. Yeah. yeah. Walker. Yeah. Now it is very, very likely that there are at least two bodies still buried beneath that boat shed possibly many more Mm. naturally such a gruesome event was covered extensively in the papers from day one and when the father of david brooks who was a close personal friend of a police lieutenant david brooks's father was when he read about the man who his son used to hang out with had most likely murdered dozens of boys. He hauled his son in to the police department to make a witness statement. Now, this is like a, the sign of kind of an honorable man because literally he was just like, you're going to fucking tell him everything you know, like, yeah. which is kind of different. It's, it's, it's very interesting. I don't know if it's good or bad. Like, my mom has said this to me on multiple occasions. She was like, Henry Thomas, have you murdered someone? I tell them <laughs> you were with me. Like, she is yeah, like, yeah, yeah. my mom would lie for me on the stand if yeah. she had to. The criminal justice system oh, no. is correct. And uh, I would highly recommend if you do other than murder, but if your kid does something wrong, uh, I don't know if go. You can be a parent and teach them yourself. Call, yeah, go spank him. I right. guess. I guess if he's murdering because- twenty nine boys. Well, it's that's hard a different to, story, it's hard right? To whoop him. He didn't steal a Snickers bar from the deli. Yeah. It was yeah. I mean, I mean, this yeah. is like yeah, but but David Brooks is saying like I don't know, Dad. I don't know, but the the guy. I mean, and. Of course, like the, the the father is gonna be like, all right, yeah, you're gonna tell him everything you know, anything that might help, you know, find more boys, bodies, right. anything you might know, you have to tell him. But as the questions started coming, but David Brooks was holding out. David yeah. Brooks wasn't saying anything because David Brooks is much smarter than Wayne Henley, which yeah. is why he left with his quote unquote girlfriend. I still don't think maybe he was a homosexual, but does it matter because he was getting out of town? He was like, fuck it, I'm getting married, I'm going legit, fuck all this, mm-hmm. I'm gone. Wayne Henley flipped on him immediately and yeah. said, David Brooks is also involved. He's more involved than me. Like he was doing that classic, like because they're probably going. 
going in between each rooms. Well, like, yeah. well, Wayne says that you got everything to do with this case. And then going to David, going to Wayne and being like, David says you got everything to do with this case it's to the, see what they do. It's the prisoner's dilemma. Yeah. Always stay silent, like Marcus said. Always. Unless, of course, you kill 10, 29 people again in, in minute. Go, yeah, go it'd be cool. Go tell them. Yeah. Now, even though the majority of the bodies were buried in the boat shed, there were still another nine left to be accounted for. Dean Coral's second burial site was near a village named High Island, quite a ways away from Houston. Now, while there was no mass grave there, all other bodies were found under the direction of Wayne Henley and a detective named Bucky Faggard. Now, I don't see anything funny about my name. <laughs> and I don't know why every single time I would introduce myself, and, and it is pronounced Buke Faggard, mm-hmm. um, I cannot stand the chuckling. Yeah, I don't understand it either. What, what is it? What's your name? Buck Faggard? No. Bu- <laughs> it's pronounced Buke Fager. <laughs> All right, and I am Dutch. Yeah. And I will not stand this mockery of my standing as a police officer. Now, excuse yeah. me and help fetch this pool cue from inside my asshole. <laughs> will do. <laughs> so they're out there, you know, Bucky and Wayne and, and David. They're exhuming bodies left and right. And this has become a true and total media circus. Truman Capote showed up down there yes. because Truman Capote was planning he's like alright I need my next in cold blood which Truman he actually tried it again and again to tr- try to find just the right case he wrote some great uh, true crime short stories but never quite found that case and he thought that the Dean Coral case was going to be his next in cold blood but the problem is without Dean Coral the story goes cold well actually right. the problem was is that uh, Truman Capote got really sick and he yeah. wasn't able to write anymore. Oh. I think I think he's still because that's the thing is that Wayne Henley and David Brooks were still alive. I can only imagine. Can you imagine the book that Truman Capote would have written? It would have been really about this story. Good. It would have been. It would have been the. It would have been better than in Cold Blood. It would have been the true crime epic. Of it would have been the best true. It just makes me so angry that well, he didn't was wasn't able to write. It. Everyone knows Capote did his best writing when he was rock hard, <laughs> and I think he might have been in this case. <laughs> so. When police exhumed, like, they're just boom, 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 more bodies, more bodies. But when police exhumed the 26th body, they were ordered by police chief Herman Short to stop. One detective said, Hanley and Brooks told us that they thought that there were more bodies and there were other places where we wanted to dig, but we were told no. They were told no, no more. The only possible explanation for this is that with the discovery of the 26th body, Mm. Dean Coral, and by extension, the city of Houston, had officially broken the record of most bodies killed by one or more men, and that was set by Juan Corona, who had murdered 25 migrant workers in California two years before. And so that means this fucker was sitting on a record-breaking murder spree that he let happen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But he went on to be promoted, didn't he? Oh, he went on to resign almost immediately after. You better have. It's not a good thing. It's not like winning all the championships like your Bill Belichick or something. Yeah, it's not the seven P. (laughs) No, no, no. It's bad. (laughs) No, he's not the Phil Jackson of uh, police chiefs. Well, if we want to just say numbers of murders allowed, I'm, again, 
we're number one in something. Number one. <laughs> so eventually, 29 murders would officially be attributed to the trio of Dean Coral, David Brooks, and Wayne Henley, a record that would stand for just a few short years before John Wayne Gacy in the city of De Plain, Illinois, chuckled his way to the number one spot <laughs> with 33 bodies. I'm Casey Kasem. <laughs> Dean Coral's funeral... Uh, he did have an actual funeral. They said it was a somber affair. They said it lasted less than 15 minutes. But Curl, remember, he was a Vietnam vet. He was given a full veteran's funeral with an honor guard who folded up the American flag that was draped on his coffin and presented it now, to his father. That would have been a complicated buffet line to be on at yes. that funeral. Well, serial killers are uniquely American, so perhaps it makes sense <laughs> and to some degree. As far as Wayne Henley and David Brooks go, they were sentenced to life in prison and still sit in Texas penitentiaries to this very day. And David Brooks hasn't said shit, but Wayne Henley, if you just look him up, he said a lot. So if you want to hear his voice, there was a British documentary that I could also put on the Facebook page mm -hmm. that it's pretty fucking fantastic. It's an interview with Wayne Henley where she's just like, Dane hypnotized me. Literally, you would spin shoes on a string and I'd <laughs> right. be like, what? And then all of a sudden, it was 29 boys later. <laughs> oh my God. All right. Wow. We made it to the end of Dean Coral. I am... <sighs> Woo. We're you all forever what? changed. And I won't say... That it wasn't not fun. <laughs> I will agree. Uh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, uh, what that, a monster. Uh, thanks, to, of course, uh, again to uh, Sammy Coglin for all her help on this. And thanks to uh, new research assistant, uh, Lana who uh, helped out with all of that uh, exca or ag all that exhumation forensics work. Uh, she's going to be helping us out in the future. Thank you so much. Uh, can't, can't wait to work with you more. I'm so excited. I was, I'm so excited by this, and we're about to do some real conspiratard stuff coming up, which I'm yep. really excited for. And uh, I, I have been brewing, in my own mind, an alien episode that will definitely confuse you. <laughs> Wonderful. I can't it's, wait. It's already confusing me. Well, I'm very confused now as well. Uh, happy to be off the child kill train for a moment. That'll be good. For a long, long good, while. Good. We'll, good give it, we'll give it a sit. Give it a sit. Just, you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, just to maintain the, some morality in our the lives. the best part about last podcast is that that, D, that dead boy train so we sit at the station for us to get on. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> like the Polar Express, but for more macabre-loving people. But I want to say thank you to all the guys over at Midtown Scholar uh, for sending us a shipment of books that will be specifically used when we decide to return to children here on Last Podcast. Oh, you life. bet. Uh, I'm actually oh, reading bet. one that got sent to you that's very interesting, to Kissel, that was very interesting, mm. called Amusing Ourselves to Death, which is the reason why Trump is about to be president of the United States. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you guys... um. I thank you guys for making Trump president. <laughs> <laughs> and also thank you to uh, Maria Peterson, uh, who sent us a book, Castles, Keeps, and Leprechauns, Tales, Myths, and Legends of Historic Sites in Great Britain. Oh, <laughs> another place to have sex with your lover that you can imagine is filled with wishes. That's right. Well, <laughs> and, and of course, uh, thanks to everyone for uh, giving to us on our Patreon page. If yes, you would like to you. give the last podcast on the left, uh, patreon.com slash uh, last podcast on the left is where you go to give us a, a little bit of cash. Uh, we're going to be doing our promised uh, Google Hangouts chat where you guys can 
Come on, ask us questions live. Everyone who contributes to the Patreon can also be a part of that. If you want your last podcast on the left t-shirt, go to cavecomedyradio.com slash merch. Don't forget to come out to the live show this Saturday. Uh, that would be February 27th right. at 10 p.m. Go to creeklic.com for all of the information on that. And everybody, we fucking sold out Baltimore. Right. We'll see you guys on March 5th. It's going to be fucking sweet. And then we're doing, we're going to do it probably three months again later, and then hopefully more places are going to book us. I'm going to be back in Atlanta in June, and we fucking better have it. We need to have a space in in, uh, Atlanta when we are there. So Yeah, that would be amazing. Come out to the live shows. They're so much fun, and uh, check out Marcus's new great radio show called The Bone Show. The Lucky Bone Show. The Lucky Bone Show. Uh, Of course, we mentioned Trump. Check out Abe Lincoln's Top Hat to stay up to date on uh, the real sociopaths that try to run the country. And uh, the Roundtable of Gentlemen, if you want to uh, experience what it's like to be drunk with a bunch of friends. Uh, Yeah, and follow (laughs) us on Instagram at LP on the left. And follow me on Instagram at at Marcus Parks. I'm technically at Ben Kissel one, but again, it is bagels and dogs. So that is all that I have on there. Check that out. Check us out on Twitter, LP on the left, at uh, Henry Loves You, at Marcus Parks, at Ben Kissel. The plug stuff gets longer each time, but you know what I say? Because we're, we're getting smarter with social media because that's, that's right. what the tweens are doing. I just, oh, is that right? Yeah, it's Ratchet. I just posted, <laughs> I just posted, I just posted a picture of a dog that listens to recordings of haunted locations and barks when he hears a ghost. Better get over to his Instagram page. Also recently single. <laughs> Very nice. Pickle dinner. Had Pick- another one last night. Oh. I also want to say, I also want to say thank you to everybody for all of your support. I'm truly humbled by everybody who supports me in my pickle dinner no, stand. What does not- your piss smell like now that mostly your body consists of beer, pickles, and coffee? His piss smells exactly like his dinner because he's <laughs> eating pickles. It's actually mostly pickles and coffee. Not drinking a whole lot of beer, but a lot of pickles, a lot of coffee. Very good. Um, hail yourselves. <laughs> hail, hail Satan and hail me, goddammit. How gonna make gustalations, you fuck. <laughs> <laughs>